Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, most of us would be familiar with a passage in Isaiah where he has a vision of the Lord. And it says, you know, his train filled the temple. There was winged creatures flying around and all that. But the passage starts with the phrase, in the year that King Uzziah died. And that's quite significant, actually. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Um, most of us probably haven't, but I have. And um, King Uzziah actually reigned for 52 years. It's an amazing time in, in, in that particular era. It was a time of peace and prosperity for the nation. He, on the whole, he was a great king. He did go offline a bit later in life. But the point is, his death signaled a big change coming. And the people were nervous, nervous about what, who was going to replace him. Nervous also because of the three great powers around about Babylon, Egypt and Assyria. Assyria was on the rise. It was gobbling up smaller nations one by one. They had the most enormous army that was ferocious and cruel and ruthless. Hundreds of thousands of really tough soldiers. So Uzziah succeeded by his son Jotham and he, he was okay. But his son Ahaz was a nightmare. The Bible said he was an evil king. He he just he just did everything wrong, as I'll explain in a minute. But today I want to explain. I want to just compare how Ahaz and his grandson Hezekiah faced kind of similar issues, and um, I think it's very helpful for us because Hezekiah actually faced stuff that we all face, and his story has got application for us all. So. As I say, Assyria was the rising force in the Middle East, starting to gobble up smaller nations. And basically, it was a bully. The deal was, pay up and we might let you survive. If you don't pay us, we'll come, we'll smash you, we'll capture your nation, we'll take all the people into captivity, we'll kill lots of them anyway, and we'll take your land and your riches, whatever happens. So that was the deal. And everyone's so afraid they would be next. So the northern kingdom, Israel, and its neighbor, Aram, got together. They formed an alliance and they wanted uh, Judah, the kingdom of Judah, to, to come in with them. And Ahaz wouldn't. So they started to invade them. And instead, instead of going to God, King Ahaz, believe it or not, went to the bully. He went to Assyria. He called for help. Read this. He says, Here's some gold and silver. Come and help me. I'll be your servant and I'll be your vassal. Well, of course, Assyria needs no second invitation. It comes along, smashes Israel and Aram, takes their people off to captivity, tortures all the leaders and kills them. And then it wants payback. It's payback time, which means humiliation for King Ahaz. It means the subjugation of the kingdom of Judah. It means an annual tribute of gold and silver. You're talking huge amounts. He had to tax the people hard. He had to strip the nation of its wealth. And still it wasn't enough. And King Ahaz actually uh, stripped the temple of God. He, he took gold and silver from the temple of the living God. All because of the threat of Assyria. Now, about 20 years later, Hezekiah is the king. He's a believer, though. So he starts a reformation. He starts tearing down pagan altars his dad had put up. He reopens the temple that his dad had closed. He starts services again. But he's inherited this annual tribute to Assyria. And they keep increasing it so they can't pay it. There's no money. So he has to strip more gold from the temple to pay what they demand. But as ever with bullies, it's never enough. 
So the next year, they send a huge army to besiege Jerusalem to occupy the city. So here's Hezekiah in a similar position to his dad. If you, if you want to read it in Second Kings and in Chronicles, and it's also in Isaiah, there's constant propaganda against Hezekiah and against God. But he stands firm, he seeks God, and uh, his prayer is beautiful. Here's one of them that's recorded. You can look at it in Second Kings chapter 19, but we're really looking at the Isaiah, uh, how Isaiah records it. And he's, saying, and he's basically saying, Lord, we can't do this. Your God, come and deliver us from his hand. And God answers through Isaiah and says he'll sort it. And he does. And these are great passages. It makes a great read. If you want the, 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 the scriptures, let me know and I'll send them. But here's caught, what caught me. Just this thought. Two people can face very similar circumstances, but then have two different outcomes. Two people can face the same scenario and have different responses. Two people can face the same pressures and react differently, behave differently. So why is this? What causes that? And I would say it usually comes down to our inner beliefs. And Ahaz and Hezekiah show this brilliantly. Ahaz refused to, as Claire said the other week, point to God. Ahaz just refuses, refuses to seek God. In fact, when Isaiah came and prophesied to him that God would sort it, he wouldn't accept the prophecy. And Isaiah then came back to him and said, look, God says, if you want a sign, I'll give you a sign, any sign you want, anything. Can you imagine that? Any sign you want? And still Ahaz says no. And God says, well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And the sign will be this, that a virgin will be with child and will name him Emmanuel. You can read that in Isaiah 7, 14. And the tragedy is Ahaz didn't get that. And it, that prophecy did not then come true till Jesus Christ came along. We read that scripture at Christmas time. Why? Because Ahaz panicked rather than prayed. But when, when a similar situation arises, when Hezekiah is king, he's different. When the huge army comes, he gets praying and he believes it. When Isaiah comes with a prophecy of promise, read this. It says, because you have prayed, basically God's saying, I'm going to sort it. And God causes 185,000 of the besieging army to be put to death and the survivors run from for home and Sennacherib the king is actually killed by one of his sons. And so the nation is saved. And that's a great story. Read it for yourself. But what can we learn today? And I've got just got five things quickly to give you before I get on to something else. Number one, I need to clarify in my mind some key issues. Ahaz thought it was all down to him. Like Hezekiah knew he couldn't do it, and he asked God to intervene. But you can only ask God to intervene if you believe that he's confident, competent, if you believe that he's both willing and able, if you believe that he's more like a loving and patient father that loves you rather than an angry dictator out to get you. And whatever you believe, these core beliefs will affect your life, it will affect every response you make. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, take things to God. It, we just read that Hezekiah took the letter from the Assyrians. He took it to God. He took it to the temple. He spread it before the Lord. So again, what do we do in a crisis? I said earlier in this year, this year what do you do first when these things happen? Do you panic or do you pray? 
he took it to the Lord. Thirdly, I would say, get godly people in your life. Hezekiah had a godly mum, and his granddad, Zechariah, was actually a godly person too. But he sought out a godly advisor, Isaiah. You've got godly people in your church. Get alongside people, and please don't be secretive. Trust your leaders with difficult situations. They can stand with you. They can pray with you. They can help you through it, and they will not go and rabbit it around the whole neighbourhood. Get godly people in your life. Fourthly, it's very easy for us to blame our upbringing. Some of us have had awful experiences, difficult childhoods, life's events. And I don't mean to minimise anyone's suffering, but if you think you've had it bad, check out Hezekiah. His big brother was sacrificed. They were all standing there and his big brother was taken and put to death. by bur He was burnt alive. A couple of years later, his younger brother, same thing happened. He was forced to watch. His mother saved him. But later on, his dad had his mother executed. He had to stand and watch the nation being humiliated with tribute being paid by his dad. The nation subjugated. He had to watch the temple being shut down. He had to see his father's cruelty. That was his upbringing. And very few of us have faced all that. But you know, when he became king... He behaved differently. And for us, we have something that Hezekiah didn't have. We've got the Bible. We've got the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So don't be ruled by your upbringing. And then fifthly, watch your ways. Ahaz did not wake up one morning and decide to sacrifice his children. He didn't. It didn't work like that. Small steps have a cumulative effect, though. Look at his story. First of all, he didn't trust God. He asked a foreign superpower for help instead. We've got to put God first. Then when the Assyrian subjugation came, he wouldn't trust God. He rejected Isaiah's word. Then he stole gold and silver from God's temple. And then when he was called to Nineveh, to Assyria, to be humiliated before uh, Sennacherib, he, he looked around and saw their altars to foreign gods and he thought their gods must be more powerful than our God. So when he came back, he built altars in the temple of the living God to these foreign gods. And then he started worshipping them. And then eventually he started closing down the temple and the services of God. What are the altars in our lives that we built unwittingly? And as he worshipped other gods, he gradually joined in their practices, eventually sacrificing his own children. Can I say this? Compromise destroys us a little at a time. It gradually erodes your faith, your foundations and your conduct. The solution? I think it's simple. Get godly people in your life. Get somebody in your life who loves you enough to tell you the truth. I believe that um, Isaiah and Zechariah both did that with Hezekiah. They confronted him when he was offline and got him back online. We need people who love us enough to tell us the truth. So there's five quick lessons from Hezekiah. Know your God. When trouble comes, hit the pause button and seek him first. Thirdly, get God godly people to help you. Watch the small compromises. And remember always, you're not bound by your upbringing. You are a new creation. The Bible says it. 
But my sense today is God wanted me to to share something from my own life that is important for me. And this is important for somebody here today. When you have God in your life, like Hezekiah did, like we do, your past need not determine your future. Some of us are living still subject to things from the past, things that are behind us, things that should not have an effect now, but they're actually affecting us badly and adversely. And I want to tell you a story from my own life. So forgive me for for this. Up to about the age of 16, I was the smallest in my class. And uh, one time the school bully came along in the morning and just said to me, I'm going to have you on the way home. And it was the most horrible day. Um, (laughs) It was a nightmare day. I didn't hear a word the teachers were saying. I was fearful. I was concerned. My friends were still there, but they were kind of distant because they were small like me. And none of us could fight. So on the way home, I did get beaten very badly, very painfully. Uh, just, uh, in fact, if a passerby hadn't stopped it, um, I don't know um, what would have happened. But of course, that led to sleepless nights and a lot of pain and uh, humiliation. And uh, I just hated this guy. Let's call him Billy the Bully. So I hated him with a vent. I just, I just wanted bad things to happen to him. Okay, 10 years later... Um, I, I was very interested in football. Um, I played Sunday league. I followed my local team home and away. And every now and then, if you know football, the, uh, you're following a sort of smaller team. Every now and then you, you get a good group of players and something just gels. And we had a fantastic team. We beat the Ugly Sisters, that's Rangers and Celtic, at their patch. We beat our local rivals 7-0 on New Year's Day, January 1973. And then it went on 7-0. And then we had win after win after win. Then a certain team came and they had a midfield, what you call a midfield destroyer. His job was just to foul and break up play and stop the play. And he, and also to antagonise other players by poking them or grabbing them or nipping them or by his words, by his actions. And he'd do anything or just kicking them. He'd do anything to make them retaliate. And he actually got lots of players sent off. And sure enough, he got our star playmaker, our version of, I guess, Bruno Fernandes or David Villa, got him sent off. He then broke our star defender's leg deliberately, and then he did something to somebody else. And guess who this midfielder was? Yes, it was Billy the Bully. Here we are 10 years later, and he's still at it. So I hated him before, and now I just really detested this guy. So wind forward another 10 or 12 years, at work I'd risen through the ranks, I was reasonably senior, uh, very experienced, uh, but God works in mysterious ways. So I go up to a, a training course in our head office and uh, guess who is on the course? Yep, Billy the Bully. Fortunately, he doesn't even recognise me. But this, thing, this gets worse because we're told just before we go home, the next day we're going to be in small groups. We're going to have to work together all day. And then we do a feedback session and uh, a presentation to the whole gathering. And uh, they put Billy in my group. Oh, dear, oh, dear. But on my way home that night, I thought, hey, wait a minute. This guy's hopeless. He's useless actually, and I, I could humiliate him. I could 
I could actually make sure that he didn't do anything decent. I could get some revenge and I thought, oh, this is going to be so, so good. But there was a problem because um, I'd become a Christian. And the next morning when I woke up, I just knew I had to forgive him. Not go and see him, just, just quietly forgive him. And I said, no, Lord, no. So I wrestled with God about that. And um, worse than that, then God told me I had to help him. Help him? You're kidding. And that gave me a great conflict. Everything in me just wanted him to pay for what he'd done for me. And I have to admit, God enabled me to do it, but my attitude was not good. I did it grudgingly. I did it reluctantly, but I did it. And he got through and he got onto the first rung of the management ladder. I had no idea at the time, but you know what? That was one of the most important decisions of my life. Essentially, I was faced with the choice of blessing him or humiliating him. The choice of keeping on hating him and carrying that hatred in me all the time or letting it go and trust God. But most importantly, I was faced with a choice. Would I let these past hurts determine my present and my future? Or would I turn it over to God? God actually enabled me to do the right thing. It wasn't easy. But as I did it, a certain peace came on me. I still didn't, didn't like him much. I didn't go to loving the guy. I just didn't, li I didn't like him too much. But you know what? The hatred had kind of dissipated a wee bit. And I could tolerate him. Fast forward another 10 years or so. When Kay and I came back from Bible college, we couldn't get any work. The, the church could only afford to pay us expenses. And um, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a job. I was overqualified and uh, too old, really, I suppose, at 40. Um, so we, we sold insurance policies. We sold our caravan. People from the church and some of you are listening today put money through the door to keep us going. But my former employer uh, faced a... a, a a scandal throughout the whole industry. It wasn't just them, it was everybody was involved in it. And uh, this thing had to be addressed. And they set up a special task force of 200 people. And they had to field people with qualifications, letters after their name, experience, seniority, etc. And they, so they took me on. And uh, I knew the lady in charge of it. Her name was Stella. And uh, she was terrific. And I flew up to Edinburgh and met her. And uh, that went very well. But within a few weeks, Stella called me in and said, just to let you know, um, I, my job was to set the thing up. Somebody else is going to run it now. And uh, I want you to meet the new person. And guess who it was? Yep, it was Billy. And I thought, oh, no, oh, no. But, you know, God is just fantastic. He doesn't recognize me. In fact, he welcomes me. Within six months, I'm leading the field team. He flew me up every week to have lunch to discuss management. He'd never managed 200 people before I had, so he was picking my brains. I even helped him in his marriage. And of course, the blessings flowed. Pay, I got pay rises and bonuses. They just flowed. Then when another task force was established to address some other issue, he took me with him. And God again was in it. And um, I was gradually reducing my hours to do more in the church. So I ended up with um, 20 hours a week and um, Billy actually said to me, um, I know the church work's really important to you, so why don't you 
um, fit us around it. He said, I'll fly you up on a Wednesday. So that's, uh, that took up 14 hours. So then that'll leave you with six hours to do over the other four days of the week. Can we do that? <sighs> of course we could. So I was just so blessed. And so I went on. I won't bore you with that. But what's the point? The point is, it all goes back to the day that I had to choose, like Hezekiah, not to let my past determine my present or my future. And it's so obvious looking back. I was blessed because I, I faced my past. So, dear friends, there's, there's lots of lessons from uh, Hezekiah that we can take on. But this, this aspect is really on my heart about the past affecting our present and our future. And I, I want to say to you today in God that whatever your situation is, whatever your Assyria is, whatever your Billy character that you're facing, God can deal with that. God can help you through that. You can forgive, you can let it go, and you can ensure that your past does not determine your present or your future anymore. Like Hezekiah, you can choose life. Now, I understand this may have raised some issues for some people, and, and uh, there will be prayer available um, for anyone who wants it. But um, in the meantime, God bless you. I hope this has helped you. And um, press on like Hezekiah. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. That was a really lovely testimony to hear. And also that you were so vulnerable and led us into your world. of, And we are all challenged in some ways like that, aren't mm. we, Wayne? Mm. We often find ourselves on the end of being bullying. We do. Sometimes um, it's somebody that has done something mm. to us that has really hurt us. Mm. And, and it can be right when you're a small little kid growing up. And then sometimes, okay, it's even us who've mm. hurt somebody else yeah. and, and it's caused a hurt. And then the third time, sometimes there's just life. Mm. Events happen, people die, people get sick, um, robberies and murders and things, and stuff happens and it all builds inside of us, resentment and, and these issues that Andrew was talking about, doesn't it? Yeah. What, what I find interesting is, you know, if we live life with this um, hurt inside of us, it, it creates almost mm. like an unforgiveness. And when you see that person, mm. you, you want to run away, don't mm. you? Mm. You don't want to engage with that mm. person. Well, there's all. lots of symptoms. Um, when, when these are deep-seated emotional trauma, uh, sometimes there'll be anger manifest, mm. depression, bitterness. bitterness. Mm and uh, anxiety mm -hmm. and these are all come out and you just need a trigger just something that happens maybe it's an image or a soundtrack or something like that and it just and, and all of a sudden you go off pop yeah. and next thing you it's like it's almost as if it takes you right back mm -hmm. to the actual event and one of the worst things that we can do is to replay that event over and over mm -hmm. because our minds tend to dramatize and make it bigger and bigger and bigger but what is the solution then how do we how did andrew overcome and how can he have been so um, so great to that guy that was really, a, and bullied him? Oh, I just want to break his neck, you know, <laughs> like, because I oh, get mad. How did he overcome? Well, perhaps he had a revelation of, you know, when you hold that bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, you actually become, there's like a poison starts mm. on the inside of you. And mm. it starts growing, doesn't it? Mm. And you just eats you up. 
But even that guy that bullied Andrew, he, he didn't recognize Andrew. No. He was not the one suffering. It was Andrew that was suffering. Yeah. There was a couple of times, wasn't there, it when Pastor Andrew met this guy and he just didn't even know him. But Pastor Andrew knew him because of the event. Mm. But to carry that inside of us just eats us up. But did you notice the other person wasn't aware anymore? They, they'd moved on. Mm. So it's important, isn't it, for us to get rid of that. That's what I love about what Andrew said. Don't allow your past mm. to impact your present and your future. That other guy was having and enjoying his life and he thought yeah. everything was great. Yet we can be so bitter and, oh, last year this happened or mm. 10 years or 20 years ago, this is what happened. And so we are graunched up. Mm. The Bible actually says sometimes that our bodies manifest in sicknesses and illness due to the unforgiveness and the bitterness that we harbor inside. Mm. So there's a remedy, Claire, that the Bible has for us. And this is going to make you mad. <laughs> it's going to make you cross. But the Bible tells us to forgive. Yeah. And you know, when I hear that, forgive, hang on a minute. He was the one who, yeah. who, who insulted me. He bullied me. When he comes and says, sorry, I might then decide and think, is he worthy of my forgiveness? So it, there's this dilemma. Do we forgive first and then get healed? Or do we get healed and then forgive? Well, that's, that's where so many people go wrong. They're thinking, when I'm healed, when I'm feeling better, mm -hmm. then I will forgive. But it's the other way around. When you forgive, forgiveness brings healing. Okay. Healing does not bring forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So we have to go and do it God's way. And we say, I choose right now, mm -hmm. like Andrew did, I choose to forgive. I'm going to mm -hmm. bless this guy. And then you are set free in your forgiving. See, retaliation, if it if uh, Pastor Andrew had come out in retaliation because of the hurt in his heart, what blessing would he have received? Right. Would the guy have even wanted him employed with him? Could have, it could yeah. have really affected his future. Yeah. So it's important for us to get rid and of that And it would have poison. just that poison would have just carried on in Andrew and manifested in nasty, ugly ways. Yeah. But what a fantastic role model that is of Andrew for us to see that we, by forgiving and exercising that forgiveness. Mm. And I bet you, if you asked Andrew, it wasn't easy. I'm sure Andrew must have had a couple of sleepless nights and think, yeah. you know, initially, and you know, he is Scottish, you know, so, <laughs> but, you know. So forgiveness releases the other person, but releases, it releases you. yourself. And that's what's so important, yes. isn't it? And, you know, even if somebody that has hurt you has died and gone to, to wherever, to glory, and you're still the one suffering and battling with that turmoil. You can still choose right now, even though they're gone, to forgive. And every single time a negative emotion comes up or something about that, or you, you're reminded of the past, you immediately stop and say, no, I have chosen to forgive. You know, the first thing we need to do, Claire, is we go to acknowledge that there's a problem. Yeah. That we have got hurts. And, and when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord Jesus, I've got an issue here. Um, they hurt me. I'm the one in the right here. But Jesus still says, I would like you to forgive. Mm. It does make me think of Jesus dying on the cross because he didn't do anything wrong. We hurt him, didn't he? Right. But he chose to forgive us first. He forgave 2,000 years before <laughs> I was even born. Yes, how amazing. And he chose. I said it once before. I deliberately choose now to forgive people. I almost got like a credit. I made up my mind. I will have a mm. short account. I will not keep record. I'm not going to let that fester inside of me. Mm. Immediately, something crops up. Forgive. Yeah. So important. Don't carry offense. It's not worth it. In fact, the more offense that you carry, you are fencing yourself in. Yeah. And you are 
preventing people to come close to you you're not able to show love it's it has a horrible effect on a person that's right well you might be asking why we're going to do breaking bread now but you see i want to read a verse in um isaiah 53 it says surely he has borne our grief mm -hmm. well a lot of us are walking around with griefs from the past yeah. and it says yeah, he's he's taken that on him it says he carried our sorrows well, I'll tell you what, if you've been bullied and beaten up and you've experienced racism and you've experienced abortion and things like that, you're hurt, you're messed yeah. up, you, you're sorrowful, you're grieving. And yet Jesus took it all on himself for us. And it says there that the chastisement for our peace was on him. That means he bought whatever it takes so that we might have peace. Mm -hmm. So we want to break bread and we say thank you for the peace. You know, Psalm 23, one of my favorite psalms, says he restores my soul and when when god restores something he puts it back to the, the the original design and make and model the way it was intended it to be yeah. he restores our soul we want to break bread and we want to just take the the wafer and we say lord jesus thank you for your body that was shared for me by your stripes i'm healed yeah. not just physical healing this morning we want to thank him for emotional healing mm. Maybe you're hurting right now when, when Andrew was preaching. Maybe, maybe you had tears running down your face as you were able to identify with that. And hurts have come bubbling up inside. Why don't we right now take the, the bread or whatever you've got and just say, Lord Jesus, here, thank you that you died for me. Would you please heal me? I choose to forgive. And I know it's going to be hard for you to forgive. I know it's not easy. But every single time that thought or emotion rises up and you say, I choose to forgive. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to have movie night reruns of the incident. I'm not going to relive it. I'm not going to celebrate the, the annual event of it happening. Put that behind you saying, I'm not choosing to live. I'm not allowing my past to impact my present or my future. Can we do that? Right now, we're going to play a song. And in the song, Kia is going to read us some passages of scripture. And as she does those, we're going to break bread with her. Mm. And we're going to sing this and we're going to remember Jesus' death. And we're going to choose to forgive and we choose to receive mm. God's healing. This doesn't have to be just a one-time event, Wayne. Sometimes yeah. forgiveness is something we have to work at. And well, you might see that person again or they might even hurt you again. Yeah. And this is where the breaking of bread is so important. It brings us back to remembrance. That's what it's all about, of mm -hmm. what Jesus did for us, how he died for us while we were still yeah. sinners. And so that person might still be acting badly towards you, but then just come back again. Thank you, Father. I choose to forgive. And That's right. it's a process sometimes, mm -hmm. isn't mm -hmm. it? It is. We're going to break bread right now. And when we finish the song, Claire and I would like to pray with you. 